name's Laura Glisson and I am a member of Language and Literacy in Young People, which is a research group based out of Curtin University in Perth, Western Australia. Um, today I'm interviewing Samuel Calder, who is a fellow member of the team. Samuel, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your work and your background? Thanks, Laura. Um, so yeah, my name is Sam Calder. I'm a speech language pathologist. Uh, I got a bachelor's degree in linguistics and I completed my master of speech pathology at Curtin in 2014. I've worked primarily with children with developmental language disorder and speech sound disorders since graduating, uh, both in clinical and non-clinical contexts. So one-on-one -on -one and in a capacity building role alongside classroom teachers. Mm -hmm. um, I've done a little bit of teaching at Curtin as well. And I'm currently on what I hope is the home stretch of my PhD uh, under the supervision of Mary Clayson, Suze Laytown and Susan Ebbles. Amazing. Thank you. All right. Can you tell us a little bit about your PhD research and what research area you're interested in, what research you've conducted so far? Great. Yeah, pleasure. Um, so my PhD has demonstrated the efficacy of an explicit grammar intervention to improve past tense production in six-year-old children with developmental language disorder. Mm. So I've used a series of research designs, ranging from single case research designs to a randomised control trial, to sort of move up the levels of evidence to demonstrate the efficacy. Uh, and the intervention results in similar treatment effects if it's provided once or twice weekly for 10 weeks. Okay, thank you, Sam. Could you tell me a little bit more about where your research fits in within the broader literature, particularly looking at things like grammar intervention and efficacy? Sure. So most research into grammar interventions has evaluated implicit interventions. So those that don't really require the child to consciously reflect on the goal of the intervention. And these are often input-based too. So there's very little expectation that the child's going to repeat or produce the target form. Um, and the notion being generally that these interventions avoid interrupting the flow of conversation uh, and communication and are more naturalistic and engaging for the child. So, I mean, it's really good points there. Um, although the evidence suggests that these interventions do improve what they're targeting, it can take a really long time to do so. So sometimes as long as 90 sessions. Um, so in my clinical experience, uh, I noticed that explicit interventions, which sort of make the child more aware of the goal, um, so they can recall that information upon demand, seem to work pretty well for young school-aged children around six years old. Um, specifically, I was trialling the shape coding system, which uses a system of shapes and arrows to teach the rules of grammar, um, with visual support too. That's always handy with these kids, I've found. Um, and the literature supporting such interventions was sort of limited mainly to older school-aged children and adolescents. So I thought a PhD would be a good way to address the gap in the literature um, around, you know, the effectiveness or the efficacy of this sort of intervention for younger kids. Um, another key aspect that sort of sets the intervention I've looked at apart from others is it, it does focus on production. So the child is required to produce the target form and if they get it correct, um, they are cued systematically. <clears throat> um, and what was what I found really useful, or hopefully is going to be a great outcome of the intervention, is that um, the kids are at near mastery with little, as little as three and a half to five hours of therapy, which Ooh. is you know, markedly shorter than other reported interventions. Amazing. Excellent. That sounds really interesting. Can't wait to, to read the research those once they've published. 
Could you tell me a little bit about where you think uh, the future research lies within the area of grammar, whether it's in receptive grammar or expressive grammar, and particularly across the sort of age groups? Yeah, sure. So I would really first and foremost like to see it replicated by other labs and larger sample sizes and sort of delivered by multiple interventionists. Since I did all the intervention myself, um, Fidelity was adhered to tightly because, you know, I, I designed it. So it'd be good to see if it could be implemented by other clinicians. Um, I'd also like to see it combined with other interventions. So those based on statistical learning principles. I think we're at the stage now where, um, of course, we need to explore more about receptive grammar. There's very little um, in, you know, out there in the literature sort of improving that area. But we know a lot about these um, good interventions. So we could be testing optimal interventions. So those include the active ingredients of those um, empirically supported interventions to improve outcomes. Um, and like most other grammar interventions, um, it only improved the targeted skill. So in this case, it was regular past tense. So it'd be great to see it sort of modified to treat other grammatical weaknesses in young children with DLD, such as auxiliary use or the WH questions. You said something about um, you want to test it with other interventionists. What sort of interventionists would they be? Speech and language therapists or different different backgrounds? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think um, primarily at this stage it would be other speech language therapists or pathologists, mm -hmm. but definitely looking at you know um, eventual transference into classroom contexts. I think would be really useful. Fantastic. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about where how they can find out more about your research? Sure, so we do have um, one pilot study published in Child Language and Teaching Therapy, which is a great clinical journal. Uh, and we, the first efficacy study for my PhD is published in Language, Speech, Hearing Services and Schools. Um, both of these did use single case designs and they have session plans as part of their appendices. So clinicians oh, can Yeah. Um, the other studies are currently uh, under review or being submitted. So we've got some stuff looking at, you know, which verbs might treat, um, influence treatment outcomes, um, how much cueing is necessary to sort of uh, get a successful teaching episode or trial. And I'm really hoping to sort of disseminate a, a full um, technical report almost on, on the intervention. So um, it can be replicated by you know, researchers and clinicians to translate to clinical practice. Um, and hopefully, as soon as possible, I have those session plans available on the LALIC website. And I think really, uh, I'll do a little plug here for shape coding and recommend that you go out there and check it uh, online. Um, there's the shape coding online training on the Morehouse website. Fantastic. Sounds like a really clinically relevant and applicable intervention study that you've conducted. And I think clinicians will be so grateful to be able to access those materials when they're ready. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you so much, Sam, for joining me today. enough to have the opportunity to interview Laura Glisson about her research and her involvement with the LALIT group. So do you just want to introduce yourself Laura and tell us a little bit about your work? Sure, thank you Sam. Uh, so my name is Laura Glisson and I'm a clinician working in school age language and literacy with children with speech, language and communication needs, predominantly children with developmental language disorder or dyslexia and, and or dyslexia. Um, I used to work in Western Australia, in Perth, at one of the language development centres, 
um, working with young children with DLD, but also have worked in private practice and done some work in schools for school age language and literacy intervention and instruction. I've also done some consulting in the past around training and capacity building for mainstream schools and how they cater for children with language disorders. And for the last two years, I've been lucky enough to be working uh, here in London at Morehouse School and College as a speech and language therapist. So yeah, I um, have a special interest in clinical research, um, particularly in helping to translate research evidence into practice, in gathering evidence for different intervention approaches and service models, whether that's individual and small group in class intervention and um, conducting clinical and scientific research in this space and then in sharing a research for clinicians and teachers working within school age language for children with language impairment. So important that translation to practice isn't it? So mm. it's great that you were on board, so passionate about that. Um, so you have recently completed a master's, yes, so can you give us a, a elevated picture in your research there? Sure, so my master's um, research was around evaluating the efficacy of an oral, an oral narrative intervention approach for young children with narrative impairment. So using a series of single case um, research designs, I evaluated the impact of an explicit intervention approach for um, on the impact of narrative macrostructure development, but also looking at um, the impact on narrative microstructure, so grammar and vocabulary using language facilitation or embedded language facilitation techniques all through the context of story, um, children's storybooks. Oh, great. So I'm, I'm, of course I'm biased, but yeah, it's quite a, a burgeoning field here with this explicit intervention its impact on oral language development mm. for those at risk. So uh, very exciting stuff. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how your research fits into the broader literature? Yeah, so my research, I think, adds to the current evidence around what works best for targeting the development of oral narrative, both comprehension and expression or production. In terms of the wider literature, there's a pretty solid evidence base now for the use of explicit teaching of narrative macrostructure elements, which includes things like explicit teaching scripts for each element of the story, use of gestures, use of visual icons, and then also additional graphic organisers like story planners and story um, boards or maps. Um, and then facilitating students to understand and produce narratives using these visuals and supports. So there's quite um, a good solid evidence for that kind of approach. Um, my research certainly supported this and demonstrated that as well with my, within my research study, where all participants demonstrated significant improvement in their inclusion of the different macrostructure elements um, and with moderate to large effect size. That was pleasing. In terms of um, the other sort of question I had, which was around microstructure development, around grammar and vocabulary, there is an emerging evidence around the effect of narrative-based language intervention using um, sort of explicit or implicit approaches to facilitate microstructure features like conjunctions, adjectives or adverbials and complex verb use and so on. The evidence though in this space is less clear. So it's not really clear about whether it's an explicit or an implicit approach for grammar and vocab or a combination of the two within the context of narrative as to which works best. 
So within my research, um, certainly some of the microstructure elements did improve with significant change. So um, I saw change in conjunctions and the use of adverbials of time, place and manner. And there is some other research as well um, with different researchers and clinicians who found sort of similar, similar findings. Um, but I really think that, yeah, there's still this sort of gap in terms of how do we best facilitate the development of microstructure within the context of, of macrostructure narrative. Mm, yeah, it's really hard teasing these things apart, isn't it? You just don't know quite what it is about intervention sometimes that makes that different. So, yes. yeah, yeah, lots of exciting things. Kind of leads into my next question, which would be, you know, where would you like to take this research? What would you like to look into in the future? Sure, so I think um, an important first step would be to replicate this research as well with um, a broader sample size, with um, potentially different populations of students. So maybe looking at students with a specific diagnosis of developmental language disorder or children who have, um, who speak English as a second language or dialect and looking at the impact of that intervention on those populations. I think um, there's definitely a shift now in the literature around looking at the impact of oral narrative intervention on writing and reading mm -hmm. comprehension. So certainly more researchers are looking at this. And I also think that there's a gap in the impact of this sort of approach for your non-fiction text types like exposition and persuasion and so on. So that would be a really um, interesting field to look at. For me personally, I think investigating um, in, in, embedded explicit intervention for oral narrative using an approach something like shape coding um, and then evaluating whether it works to do both simultaneously do one before the other also macro before micro or micro before macro or a combination so um, I think that's where sort of I think would be really interesting to continue to investigate that absolutely yeah that's very exciting stuff um, so where can we find out more you can find out more about my research through the Language and Literacy in Young People or LALIC website where clinicians and teachers can download the intervention program which is free to download. It's got all the intervention session plans in there and the background to why the intervention was planned the way it was. So all the sort of key ingredients to what you need to implement that approach along with links to my thesis which can be downloaded free through Curtin University and then also a link to a 2019 paper published in the Australian Journal of Learning Difficulties. Great, congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Reflections. If you'd like to find out more about our work and for links to other podcast episodes, visit languageandliteracyinyoungpeople.com.